Alright everybody, welcome to AIIW News. My name is Ryan and today we've got some interesting stories for you. And uh, but, <clears throat> but before we start off, I just want to say that I am doing this podcast because I love this country and I think that we have started to drastically drift away from the Founding Fathers and their principles. And I guess starting to drift, it, it happened, it's been happening for over 100 years, and we're massively not what the Founding Fathers had planned for. And what, what the Founding Fathers had originally intended for this country was a country of intelligent, Christian, and just a, a people that were capable of leading themselves and adhering to laws and to to standards that were reasonable. And the laws and the standards that are reasonable are, are ones that, do, that don't allow you to infringe on my rights while still maintaining that I have a certain number of rights myself. And so that's what the foundation of our country is based on, that we each have rights that are inalienable, that were given to us by God. And what has happened is there is a parasite that has latched onto our government and has begun to suck the life out of it and to and in that process it has trampled upon our inalienable rights and that parasite is the bureaucracy the government the federal government was never designed to have any kind of bureaucracy like it has today there are tens of millions of people that are directly employed by the united states government more people are employed today than lived in the country in 1776 Okay, more people are employed directly by the federal government than lived in the country in 1776. And I know that's kind of a silly comparison, but it's just to, I just want you to realize the magnitude of the problem that we have. This country was set up where each one of us is a Caesar. So I am, my uh, liberty is to give away my right to government to the government, the right to govern, right to governance to the government. And for the large part, that's been a good bet for most of society, that you give away your individual freedom to a larger power for protection, for safety, for food, all those sorts of things. But today, in our government, we have a certain set of agreements, and they have been radically and brutally trampled upon. So I just wanted to start off with saying that uh, I, I love this country. I think it's the, the greatest one that exists today. Probably one of the greatest to ever exist besides Israel. And even them, uh, they messed up their <laughs> their country almost immediately and they were being directed by God himself. Uh, so, you know, it's it would be rather foolish to think that we could do much better for much longer. Uh, now that I've gotten that little bit of a rant out of the way, I hope you enjoyed that. Today is... June 27th, 2023, it's a Tuesday, and uh, as of this morning, uh, I have some articles for us to read. We're going to get started by an article by Joseph Boyle out of Barron's, and it says, Will AI Really Destroy Humanity? And it says, The warnings are coming from all angles. Artificial intelligence poses an existential risk to humanity and must be shackled before it's too late. But what are these disaster scenarios and how are machines supposed to wipe out humanity? 
Most disaster scenarios start in the same place. Machines will outstrip human capacities, escape human control, and refuse to be switched off. Once we have machines that have a self-preservation goal, we are in trouble. AI academic Yoshua Bengio told an event this month. So, as Christians, do we believe that this is how the earth will ultimately, with the fate, that this will be the fate of the planet? So, as Christians, will this be the fate of the planet? No. The answer, the answer is emphatically, absolutely not. Now, there could be thing, there could be a role that AI plays in the end times, but as we see in the end times, they are human beings that are the actors, and they have specific roles that they and functions that they play. And AI doesn't really fit very many of those. Now, there could be a couple roles that AI could play, possibly some kind of a beast, possibly some kind of not the Antichrist, but there's other uh, entities that help uh, help and work with the Antichrist that could be artificial intelligence, those sorts of things. The, uh, the coming world leader could use an artificial intelligence to help sway the public. He could make one based off of his own personality that then works and does things that sort of fulfill Bible prophecy. And not sort of, they would exactly fulfill Bible prophecy if it is the fulfillment. Um... And so, yes, AI might play into destroying humanity, but that would only be as part of God's plan, okay? And so that's what I wanted to highlight here is that we know what God's plan for humanity is, and that is to be destroyed by fire. So the first time we were destroyed by a flood, and that was horrible, and we got Noah out of that. That's who we are all related to today. Now, the next time, God will ultimately have to wipe out the planet again. This time it will be by fire. And so uh, we see the rainbow was given to us as a promise that God would never wipe out humanity with a flood again, and that will hold true. And what we will also see is that in this era, God has also provided a way for us to be saved through his son, Jesus Christ. And so we definitely don't need to be wiped out in the same way uh, well, sorry, we will need we will need to be wiped out because the, the earth is sinful and wicked and evil. But there will be a remnant of us that will be taken out and saved before those things happen. So that's what the Bible teaches. And that's what we see uh, in that's what we have in store for us for the future. But we see that the world is concerned with Terminator AIs running around trying to end humanity, which would be very scary if I didn't have a complete faith and trust in God. All right, so that's one side of the AI coin. Here is the other. First human trials begin for AI-designed drugs. So just to uh, make a long story short, AI is capable of making images and pictures like we see with Dolly, uh, Midjourney, and a bunch of other AI programs. What it can also do is it can create the design structure for proteins and for different things that work inside of medications and inside of drugs. And so with the ability to manipulate these proteins and to see how, the, how they might work theoretically uh, over thousands and thousands of iterations almost immediately, what we will be able to do and what we're already starting to do is design uh, drugs using artificial intelligence. So that's wonderful. That's going to be a huge boon for society. There's going to be many diseases and, and maladies and cancers that are cured because of this wonderful 
AI, these wonderful future AI breakthroughs. And uh, so we see that this is actually starting to take place. Biotech firm in Silico Medicine said Monday that it entered an AI discovered and designed drug into phase two clinical trials involving human subjects, a first for the industry. So we are starting to see that. And that's wonderful. I'm very happy that we will be uh, starting to see the benefits of AI designed medications. That'll be a huge, again, it'll be a huge benefit for society. And I think that as Christians, we should absolutely take advantage of any that exist uh, that weren't, you know, tested in some horrible way on fetuses or other, you know, human beings, that sort of thing that, that shouldn't have been tested on in proper ethical ways. Uh, so as long as, you know, all of that is the case, I think that there is a very good reason for Christians to use AI-developed drugs. It's no different than a drug developed by a computer in some other way, in my opinion. So that's the two sides of the AI coin there. I think that those will, the AI is going to play an ever-increasing, um, an ever-increasing role in our lives. And it's something that we should, as Christians, be aware of but not be overly afraid of because ultimately God is in control. All right. So we have the ACLJ. That's the American center for law and justice. It's kind of a Christian uh, proxy for the ACLU. Okay. So the ACLJ, it's run by a man named Jay Seculo. He is a lawyer who has represented cases in front of the Supreme court. Uh, but today we are seeing, uh, Jay, so I think his name's Jordan Seculo. He wrote a piece on the uh, Wagner uh, private military group uh, that is a outfit out of Russia that runs all of their private military operations around the world. Recently, the leader of that, his name is Prigozhin, uh, Yevgeny, Yevgeny Prigozhin. It's right there in the article. And what we see is that he has an interesting story. At one point, he was a prisoner. He got out. He then started a uh, started some kind of a culinary business, uh, not a restaurant. It was a uh, <laughs> the word escapes me, but basically, he provided food for private events. Ultimately, Putin ended up hiring him and used his services at a number of Russian private events, eventually ending, I believe, in what is a money laundering scheme to the tune of billions of dollars that gets laundered through this, uh, uh, why can't I think of the word? <laughs> but basically they, they, they do, they would serve food at, at large private events, a food services corporation. Um, so he has an interesting tale there to then be, to then run a legitimate Wagner mercenary group. WMG. So, um, what we see is that uh, Prigozhin attempted to stage a coup in Russia over what he viewed as mistakes by President Putin. Uh, so, we saw over the last few days some turmoil in Russia over this. And uh, it was reported that the leader of the Wagner mercenary group defended his short lived insurrection in a boastful audio statement Monday but uncertainty still swirled around his fate as well as that of senior Russian military leaders, the impact of the impact on the war in Ukraine and even the political future of president Vladimir Putin. Uh, Prigozhin said he acted to prevent the destruction of the Wagner private military company. 
and he said he acted in response to an attack on a Wagner camp that killed some 30 of his fighters. We started our march because of an injustice, Prigozhin said in, an, in the recording that gave no details about where he is or what his future plans are. So, it is very interesting to see what is going on with Prigozhin. There's a lot of rumors swirling around that there was a recent $6.2 billion accounting error in the United States military that will allow for $6.2 billion more to be sent over to Ukraine. And there are a number of people that speculate that that figure is going directly to Prigozhin if he is successful at his uh, coup attempt of Vladimir Putin. It does not seem currently like he will be successful. He seems to have been stopped and might ultimately be turned away toward um, Belarus, uh, the country that is very close to and actually very closely aligned with Russia. So it would be interesting that a Russian, um, that, that a, a, a uh, <clears throat> it would be interesting for a Russian a person who revolted against the Russian regime to end up in Belarus when it is so closely tied to the Russian regime. So, uh, that's all very interesting. We should keep our eyes on it. We definitely need to be praying for Ukraine and for Russia. There's a number of Christians in those countries. And outside of that, obviously, we, we care about suffering of, of all peoples. And we should be praying that through that suffering, they find Jesus Christ and the salvation that he has for them, even in these tough and difficult times. So I, I pray for Russia and I pray for Ukraine. And, you know, even the, the worst of us can become Christians. Even the worst of us can be forgiven of our sins. Uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin, he, even he could be saved. So I pray for him as well. Uh, we should be praying for all the leaders in this world, especially in this country. Despite my personal feelings about Joe Biden, he is the president at the moment. And we should be praying for him and for all the people that serve under him and work under him. And uh, yeah, so despite my disagreements, we should be praying for all of that, of course. All right, so we, of course, need to continue praying for Ukraine and Russia. And uh, yeah, it's been interesting seeing what's been going on with Prigozhin, P-R-I-G-O-Z-H-I-N. Uh, he is an interesting character in Russia at the moment and is causing some issues potentially for Vladimir Putin, though there is a another theory that I have heard where uh, this was all a ruse. So Prigozhin and uh, Putin were never enemies at all. They were actually working together and Prigozhin was working to out all of the actual uh, defectors and, and uh, people that were planning on, on uh, re you know, revolting. So that's an interesting theory. All right, we're going to move on to our final news story. Uh, this has to do with New York City, so I just want to be very specific and state up front. This is not national. This is not state. This is a strictly New York City public school uh, article, so it is not talking about the rest of the state or even the rest of the city's government, just the public schools. Uh, so Diwali becomes New York City public school holiday. And the reason I'm being very specific in that is we haven't quite seen these other holidays become national holidays or state holidays or even local city holidays. They always start off these sorts of things by 
starting them off at the lowest point they can, and that's at our public schools. It's really easy to get in and say, oh, we have some, you know, parents in this district that are, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, that have these certain religious beliefs or those certain religious beliefs, and we should enshrine them into law as a holiday. My personal opinion is that as a, uh, as a government, we shouldn't have holidays. I think that as a society, we should decide to take certain days like Christmas off, regardless of what day they fall on, but that that shouldn't be mandated by the federal government. If somebody wants to work on you know, Christmas Day, I'm not, I don't think it's the government's job to stop them. So we have here in New York, Diwali is the newest day off from the New York City public schools, but education officials will have to make adjustments to accommodate another holiday in an already packed school calendar. Okay, so it really doesn't get any much, it doesn't, there really isn't any much more. All right, take two on that. There are not many more details to go over in this. It's literally just going to be people's opinions on whether or not you know, uh, that should be added. I think it's mostly just positive. Yeah, all the, Hildur, all the Hindu children now get to feel like they belong, all that sort of thing. This is all very easily accounted for without having everyone have to have to take all of these days off of school, which is just a, a burden on the parents because now there's a random day that doesn't align with their days off where their child is now also off as well. So it just is a it's a it's really a huge burden on the parents to have all these different holidays that they don't celebrate. So most of the parents in that school district likely do not celebrate Diwali. Uh, I would imagine that is the case. And so it's really just like I said, a huge burden on the parents. They're used to their kids going to this daycare facility all day, and out of nowhere they just get dumped in their lap. They'll probably have to just stay home unattended if the parent works. So. All these new holidays are a huge burden, and really what this would be solved by is each parent deciding where to send their child on their own outside of government coercion. The government shouldn't be involved in the education of children. If government wasn't involved, it would be significantly cheaper today. I can't speak for how it might have worked in 1950, but as of 2023, with all of the online and the ever-growing number of AI resources that we have for education, it's just complete, it's, at this point, it is just daycare that is, that is happening at these public schools that the parent is incapable of reproducing exactly as good, if not better, for their own child. Through AI, through online resources, you can direct your child's education 100% on, on your own, in a way that your child will flourish and, and, and progress at the maximum pace for your child. And so they won't have to go at the pace of the slowest of 30 other kids, and they won't be uh, you know, taught by some teacher who you don't even know. You know, you put your kid into a public school these days, especially here in California, also in New York, where this would be taking place, especially New York City, what you see in, in districts like this are just horribly degenerate teachers that want to pass that on to your children. They want to fly rainbow pride flags in the classroom. They want to talk about their kinks and sexual fetishes with your children in middle school and high school. And it's just disgusting. The fact that we are in a state where our society could even allow these people near your children is insane, let alone for them to be paid by your tax dollars it's a it's an absolute travesty 
And it's all completely solved if we just get rid of public schooling. I can't complain about a Satanist family who wants to send their kids to a Satanist school. I can't complain about that. There's nothing I can do. I don't have jurisdiction over someone else's children in that sense. Now, of course, you can't physically harm them. You can't uh, abuse them mentally in the, in the sense that you can't, like, obviously, I would say that putting your kid into a Satanist church is abuse in, in a certain sense, but it's not the same as, like, psychological torture or, you know, physical abuse. And those are things that should be outlawed. But what we see, if what we would see in a system like that is every parent would get this, the system that they want. And so, like I said, if a Satanist wants to send their kid to a Satanist school, by all means, go ahead, do that. If I have children, I'm going to send them to a, a Christian education facility. It won't be a public school or a private school, most likely, unless that's what my wife is dead set on. But... What we'll see is that they will celebrate the holidays that we celebrate as well. They'll be it'll line up one hundred percent, and it'll be perfect. And so, in the case for this New York, uh, this New York system, if they had if they just got rid of all the public schools and the parents and and the parents directed their kids' education uh, by themselves, then what we would see is. The students who want to celebrate, or the parents who want their kids to celebrate Diwali are going to celebrate Diwali with their school, and the parents that don't and want to celebrate Christmas instead are going to celebrate Christmas. And that would be perfect and beautiful, and it would be a wonderful society. I would love to live in that country. Unfortunately, we, again, have this... I'm going to wrap it all back up. This is part of the parasite of the bureaucratic overreach of the government. The government doesn't have jurisdiction over your children. They don't have the right to take over the education of your children. It's absolutely crazy that we allowed for that. Uh, originally, it was mandated so that each citizen would be able to read and write and do some basic math. That has been expanded drastically to include all sorts of other nonsense that the state has no right to be involved in. And so I just... I hope and I pray that people start waking up to that and that we uh, move away from the uh, crazy system that we have and, and get rid of these bureaucracies. So uh, I'm going to end by reading out of Proverbs. I'm going to reread the section that I read last time. Uh, this is because I'm going to just start reading sections of Proverbs. They, they get split up not really by verses so much but by little chunks and little segments. And so I only read the first five verses. I'm going to read the first seven, and then I'll continue on that from, from verse seven next time. So Proverbs 1, 1, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, to the young, man knowledge and discretion a wise man will hear and increase learning and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel to understand a proverb and an enigma the words of the wise and their riddles the fear of the lord is the beginning of knowledge but fools despise wisdom and instruction i hope that you all have a wonderful week i pray for all of us for our country and for the world ultimately that God's will is done and that uh, he reigns. That's what we all as Christians should be praying for.
Uh, again, my name's Ryan. Uh, this is As It Is Written News. I hope that ultimately you come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ and in the redemption that he has for you for the sins that you've committed, the, the ways that you've trespassed against him and against God can be accounted for through the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made by having faith in him, believing in your heart that he rose from the dead and professing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. So I pray that we all do that. All right, you have a wonderful week. I will see you on Thursday. Goodbye.